This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. Did you know? It's estimated the U.S. pet industry reached $99 billion in 2020. Globally, the pet care market has grown to $261 billion in 2022, up from $245 billion in 2021, and is estimated to increase to $350 billion by 2027. My guest today is Ropa Morombo, dog mom, tech entrepreneur, and co-founder of Finisca, a company that builds innovative solutions for pets and pet parents that bring the pet tech industry to new heights. In this episode, we'll discuss how Ropa and her co-founder are disrupting the pet health space with their innovative technology, some hot tip for pet parents, the type of culture they're creating at Finisca as women of color in tech, the importance of leading with empathy and creating inclusive workspaces, and the funding strategy they are pursuing for Finisca. Ropa, welcome to the WTF Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am excited to have you. So first things first, what is Finisca? Finisca is a pet health tech company. Our long-term vision, our dream is to build a product ecosystem of IoT devices that are non-invasive and that are just comfortable for pets to use and that track all their vitals, all the important health information like their uh, sleep, their activity levels, their weight, their toilet usage, uh, their mood, all sorts of bits and bobs. So IoT is Internet of Things. Just for listeners who might not be techie, just to explain what that is. Yeah. And it also, I I like to explain it as connected to Wi-Fi. (laughs) So uh, imagine having your pet or your cat or dog's bed somehow connected to the Wi-Fi and you get real-time updates about certain things to do with your pet. So with a cat toilet, if you have a smart cat toilet, then it could, for example, tell you, when your cat went to the toilet or how much time it spent in the toilet or um, the weight of what it left in the toilet. And then you see everything in an app. Uh, so Ropa, that- if, help me understand. Yes. Why do I want to know this much about my pet's bowel movements? That's a very good question. I think I... I think the main, the the one sentence answer is that so that your pet doesn't suffer in silence. So pets can't really speak a language that humans can understand. So of course they communicate and we communicate with them, but they can't really say, oh, I think I'm allergic to the lunch I had today or my tummy hurts or my, my tooth is sore. So as pet owners, and if you think about the fact that you're usually the the guardian, like you are the one who is solely responsible for this cat or dog. Uh, it's, it can be quite difficult for you to know when something is wrong, to know when your health is needed, to know when to intervene. So the goal is to identify information that would empower you to know when your health is needed. And at Finisco, we actually sat down with vets. We partnered with universities to learn, like, what would pet owners need to be aware of in order to be able to identify health problems? And what we learned was, firstly, weight is actually a critical indicator of your pet's health. So you need to weigh your pet regularly and be able to see changes. Toilet visits, and to answer your question, 
in cats, the uh, one of the leading diseases is actually urinary problems. So things to do with that system. And when a cat is developing an infection, it will start to go to the toilet more often. Uh, and it will also spend more time in the toilet. And this is something that on its own might be meaningless, but when you tie it to the potential disease, you could actually identify it. You could be like, okay, something is wrong. The cat is going to the toilet more often. And because we spend so much time with our pets, it's very difficult to detect certain changes. And then also because a lot of us go to work, it's even more difficult to detect things that happen when you're gone. So if your cat toilet can detect these things for you and just send them to you on an app, uh, that's a huge help. That's a huge help. So we want to be able to help pet owners know when their help is needed. We want to ensure that pets are healthy and happy and heard as well. So yeah. Healthy, happy, and heard. There you go. <laughs> so we're talking about pet potties. Yeah. So Finesca Base, what is it and when is it launching? Great. So um, the Finisca base, like I said earlier, our goal is to really have like, uh, we're big dreamers, my co-founder and I. So we want to have like this big ecosystem of smart pet beds and cat trees and, you know, everything's intelligent. But we have to start somewhere. And the Finisca base is the most versatile of our uh, product roadmap because it works with different furniture. So it's a smart pad. It has sensors in it and you place it underneath your pet's sleeping spot or your cat's toilet. And it has weight sensors and timestamps. So what it's able to do when it's under your pet's sleeping spot is it can actually start to develop your pet's daily rhythm. So when does your pet usually sleep in that particular spot? Um, it can automatically uh, track your pet's weight and it can also automatically track your pet's sleeping time. And then when it's under the cat toilet, it does all the party tracking that we've discussed. And what we do with the Finisca Bases information is like I said, we create a um, normal pattern. So we create a pattern in our back end of what your pet's normal behavior is like. And we notify you when we identify deviations from that normal behavior. And we pro provide you with an uh, information that you can also share with your vet. So, cause when you, if you're, something is wrong with your pet, you go to the vet, they're also gonna ask questions. So you can definitely show them the reports from the Finisca base. And it helps pet owners uh, be able to detect health problems early, like I said, and generally improve the overall well-being of their pets. So this is our first product and it is coming onto the market on the 31st of August, that is our launch date. <laughs> After two years of testing, it's been an interesting journey. So very excited about that. We've had pilot customers. They love it. They've given us lots of feedback. We've been able to improve What are it. some of the feedback that they've provided that have helped you to improve the product? To improve the product? I mean, it goes from like small little things like our initial uh, prototype. There was no way for pet owners to know if they had successfully connected the base to Wi-Fi. So we had to put a display and to um, add certain information. So very practical things like that. People told us that the display doesn't turn off, so that bothers them. So we put practical things like that. But um, what has been really interesting for me personally has been learning what value it creates for them. And we've realized that there are three types of pet owners, for example, or at least 
uh, people who would use our product. There are people who uh, love, love, love data. They love the novelty and the innovation of it all. And the more insights we can give them and fun graphs we can give them, they're just interested. They're just so curious to learn more about their pet, even if it's not health critical. Um, so if so pet to- lovers who are data lovers as well. Data lovers or just, um, you know, tech affine, like you just like uh, uh, tech products. Uh, there's a lot to learn about your pet. For example, something we've learned in our data is like how your pet behaves when you're on vacation. Like how does your cat's daily routine change based on you being away from the house? Do that they just turn up mis- while you're not there? <laughs> just <laughs> doing don't. their own thing? <laughs> See, small little details like that that are not necessarily health critical, we are able to share. So we learned a lot about the types of graphs to include in our final version of the app through those kinds of pet owners. And then we learned that a lot of our pilot customers were um, away from their pets a lot. And they they have that anxiety that comes with it. So they're curious to know what their pet is up to. So through that learning, we were able to put current activity updates. So when your pet does go into the toilet, the app actually tells you. Um, when your pet is sleeping in on the balcony, and that's where you have the mat, uh, it tells you like, oh, okay, um, Pocolino's taking a nap on the balcony. And for those pet owners, that was a huge value when they're away from their pets to be able to know what's going on throughout the day. And then the last thing we learned from our pet uh, uh, pilot customers was just how much of an impact this product has on people whose pets are already sick or people who have senior pets because they're having to do this work anyway. Um, when you have a, an older pet, weight tracking is actually more common than, you know, you actually have to do it anyway. Uh, you go to the vet a lot more often, all these bits and bobs. And for them, any small bit of insight and information we give them about their pet is really helpful. And it's almost life critical for them to know, like, okay, let me rush to the vet. So lots of learnings, lots of features that we've incorporated into the final version of the product. And it's been awesome. Now we're launching on August 31st. All right. So what do pet owners need to know about how to get their hands on this product? Where should they go? So the first thing is that this is going to be available in the EU. (laughs) Um, So at the moment, we will only ship around uh, the EU and we are using our own online store. So uh, if you just go to the Finisca website right now, you can sign up on our wait list. And very soon you'll be able to pre-order the Finisca base. So yeah, we are going to sell via our own online store and then we ship it to pet owners uh, everywhere. Uh, And then across the world, uh, sorry, we ship to pet owners over in the Europe and then everywhere else, you can actually just download the Finisca app. So we have a version of our app that is great for manual tracking. Um, So if you are if you're looking for a way to document the different bits and bobs of your pet's day and to be able to get some reports and insights back, you should definitely download the Finisca app on the App Store, on the Google Play Store. 
And it comes also with, we have a lot of blogs and a lot of insights and um, a lot of information within the app. And we try to make it as fun and as simplified as possible. Uh, so yes, for sure, everyone can download the app. And then if you're in the EU, you can head over to our website and uh, pre-order or at least sign up for our waitlist for the Finisca phase. So for those of us in the US who might be waiting impatiently for something like this to come our way, how much longer do we have to wait? Um, you know, this is such a good question because found like these are the difficult founder decisions to make, you know, um, just because it's a lot. It's a lot to expand into a new market. And the trade-off for us is likely going to be expanding into a new market like the US or expanding into a new market like more products so going from the finisca base to a finisca food bowl to the next thing and i'll be honest at the moment we're leaning more towards making more products available in the eu than we are going to another market with uh the finisca base so it could be a while i couldn't give you a date yet okay fine so you don't want our money <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, but I I'll, understand I'll those trade-offs, though. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, while we wait for you to get there, because I understand it's a business decision, the app is available and there is massive value that yes. pet owners can get from yes. the app. While yes, sure. we wait for you to get to the point where the Finisca base becomes available to us here in the US. Yes. In the US. So let's talk a little bit about fundraising because you mentioned well you know it's a business strategy as to whether you want to expand to create more product lines for the eu market or to expand and get into different uh, geographic markets so tell me a little bit about your funding journey for finesca um so uh i like sunita and i sunita is my co-founder make the joke that we're very we're way better at raising equity free money than um like actual investor money, which is not the case, but a lot of our fundraising strategy has been to look for brands that come with a financial component. So uh, the birth of Finisca actually started with, an, with a grant in Germany called the Gründungsstipendium, which is like the founder scholarship, if I want to translate it directly. So it was 130,000 euros over a year where the founders would get a small salary and uh, you had a budget to build your prototype. And that's actually how we built the Finisca based prototype. So that's the first amount of money we received. And then when we, when we got to the end of that program, we actually bootstrapped. So we didn't like close around before the program ended. We bootstrapped for essentially most of last year. And then we closed around with business angels in December of 2021. Uh, so that was 300,000 euros. That's our pre-seed round. And then now we've just received uh, a startup from Google, for, a, a fund from Google for startups, which is up to 100,000 in cash and then a whole lot more in different Google credits and products. So it, our fundraising strategy up until this point it's almost 50 50 like we've made half the money through business angels and half of it through these grants that don't take any equity from you as a startup 
I'm speaking with Ropa Maramba, techie dog mom and co-founder of Feniska, a company that builds innovative solutions for pets and pet parents. And we are talking about her fundraising strategy. So do you have a preference for non-equity funding versus equity tied funding? Well, I mean, non-equity funding is it's always good. Like if you can get free money, get free money. I just don't think it's scalable. So I think um, non-equity, these things like grants, it's always like 20K, 50K, so such and such. So that's that's very good when you're right at the beginning and you can that 50K is someone's salary and it changes everything. But as your company grows, I really don't think it's scalable. I also will say that non-equity funding also requires a lot of effort, um, sometimes even more than just going to pitch to inv investors, because in a lot of cases, it's still an application, a rigorous one. And then afterwards, it's oftentimes an accelerator program, which involves events you should attend. And then after that, you're an alumni. So you put a lot of time into this equity free money. So it's also ideal if you have value to gain from all these additional bits and bobs, because, yeah, if you're early stage, then there is value in attending a whole lot of sessions. But if you are a little bit later on, maybe that time should be going into, I don't know, product development or something else. So I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but um, definitely if you're early stage, I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't say it's a preference, but if you're early stage, find as much of it as you possibly can. I like that. So equity free is not really free because no. you're investing a lot of time and there's still a lot of effort that goes into, as yes. you said, the application process. There probably is some reporting process, all these events and things that are tied yes. to it. So no money is free. And it's more it's more competitive. I would argue that it's more competitive because they have 20, there's a spot for 20 startups and 2000 apply something ridiculous like that. Whereas with investors, there are so many investors and you can come up with so many different investment strategies. And there's so many, there's so much more, I mean, it's still competitive, but I would say it's less competitive. Um, so, yeah. Tell me about the culture that you are creating at Finisca, you and your co-founder as women of color in tech. So my co-founder and I actually just had our planning for the next quarter. And one thing about building company culture is that you're never done. Um, like you're never done building it. You're never getting 100% at it. You're never scoring 100%. So today was a good day for us to review all the things that we could have done better and could have done differently. So I want to preface my response with that, that it's, always going to be a work in progress. Uh, but in general, Sunita and I really, really believe in uh, working and producing high quality results. We deeply care about pets. So we are creating a culture where everyone is empowered to do their best work and that they're proud of it. They own it. They're excited about the work that they do. So that's one of our pillars of our culture. The other thing for us that's really big is empathy. Um, we always say that like we lead with empathy, not numbers. So as much as we want to be data driven and it's super important in companies, um, for us, empathy is even more important. And it's so pivotal to building an inclusive company. In fact, I would say two things are important for uh, building an inclusive company, empathy and mental health. 
uh, empathy because it decenter it decenters you. When you're empathizing, you're always putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You're not the center. So it doesn't matter what your perspective is. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter that you you are underrepresented or you are uh, well represented. It doesn't matter because it's about the other person. Um, it's always about the other person in decision making. In when you think about our customers, when you are thinking about your teammates, when you are dealing with deadlines, all of it is you decenter yourself. So empathy is important in building an inclusive culture. And then mental health is important because I think that, of course, producing high results, blah, blah, all these things are incredibly important. But one of the most difficult things for underrepresented people is feeling seen and having to also start behind so having more obstacles to to overcome compared to their counterparts and feeling understood when they're in the workplace and feeling safe and we want to create a space where uh people know that them being okay is just as important as us producing results as a company and we want people to know that if i remember when i was working with like before when i was working um this George Floyd ha thing happened and it was deeply traumatizing for me and many other black people across the world. And the company I was working for just like picked up Monday, like <laughs> nothing had happened and nobody asked me how I was doing. I had like all my boss, like my one-on-ones and touch points with my managers. Nobody, they, we, they, it was just swept under the carpet. And for us, we have, for example, a no questions asked mental health day. So that would be that would have been a good time for me to say I'm taking the day off, but it doesn't count as a day off. I'm taking a day off because I'm black and it's been a traumatic week to be a black person. Um, that's an example. That's an example of where mental health ties in with being inclusive. Um, the company I was working for at that time failed to meet my needs at that point. They failed to identify that my needs were different from the rest of my colleagues. And they failed to, to meet me where I was at. And we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to do that. So mental health and empathy are super important in building an inclusive um, company culture. And yeah, just empowering people to be able to do their best work. How important is it as you are fundraising to align yourself with investors who have that same value as you? in terms it's, of the company that you're trying to build so because values alignment is very important it's so important um it's really really important i i really like this question because sunita and i when we were like fundraising like, like i said we were bootstrapped last year and we were trying to raise money but then we we're also like no let's meet these goals and raise money but in that time we came across a lot of money that we turned down or at least that was unfavorable to us and I kid you not, the reason we turned this money down was because these people did not pass the vibe check. This is also what happens when you like have like a company run by young people. Because what is a vibe check? Like, can I describe that? Can I document and give you like numbers on what we mean by they didn't pass the vibe check? Absolutely not. But it was important. It was important to us to gel with the person we were talking to. 
And part of the vibe check is like, were they mansplaining? Like, were they talking over us? Did we feel respected by them? Did we feel like they identified us or viewed us as the, the experts on the topic of pet health IoT devices? Um, it was so, so important to us. And when we finally picked our business angels, this was a criteria that applied to every single one of them. And now that I'm on the other side of that decision, almost like seven months in, I wouldn't change a thing. And I can only emphasize to everyone who has a company right now that always make sure your investors pass the vibe check. And with values, a lot of them are intrinsic. Um, you can't wear certain values as a jacket like or a hat, you know, like <laughs> inclusivity or respecting women. If you don't respect women in general, you can't suddenly like get to your desk at 9 a.m. and like fake it, right? So that's why it's a vibe check. It's it's a lot of just assessing how the, the investor is and what how they think. I really think it's important. I really think it's important. It's better to turn the money down and bootstrap for as long as you can until you find the right investors because lo and behold, they exist. Um, and I'm fundra- I'm a black woman in Germany and I think 100% of my investors are German um, in, in some sense. Of course, maybe someone is like their parents were born in Russia or something. But in the sense that, you know, they live, work, studied here in Germany, they're German. Uh, I, I, and they exist. They have, they're open-minded, they educate themselves, they're supportive, they're also empathetic. Um, all these qualities, they have them. So there was no need for us to settle. Even though at some point, you know, when you're bootstrapping and you're like, you feel like you should just accept what's being offered. We're glad we waited. And I can only emphasize that it's important. I totally understand the vibe check thing because I operate Mm. on vibes. I'm Jamaican (laughs) and we have a thing called like spirit, right? If my spirit takes to you. And I'd be like, oh, my spirit don't take that person. That means you didn't pass the vibe check. Right. There you go. And and it just it never lies to you. You know when someone is being authentic or not. Yeah. And you know whether or not you can move forward in a relationship with a person if you yeah. like their vibes or not. Because you really can't fake your vibes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. I will also say I think when you are an underrepresented founder, or at least trying to be like different in how you run your company and everything you also can't leave things to the bottom line because that's a lot of that's how entrepreneurs are supposed to succeed right at the end of the day it's about money it's about certain kpis that's the bottom line and the temptation and the pressure sometimes to bring it back to the bottom line and be like at the end of the day we need the money and this is how it impacts our numbers and this is good I feel like I can't afford that. I can't afford to make it about the bottom line. I will always have to go that extra mile to consider all these other things Um, because of my own background, my own experiences, and because of the experience I am trying to make for everyone who comes in contact with this company. I really love the way you're being intentional about how you are leading this company and creating an inclusive space for the people who walk through the door, that Mm. they are empathetic about animals and they're empathetic about people Mm. and the value that we're trying to create in this world, Mm. right? 
And mm-hmm. so I think that's really commendable in terms of how you're structuring your business <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> Give yourself all the kudos. As we get ready to wrap up, wrap up, what are some hot tips for pet parents? That's a very good question. Just download our app. <laughs> I think that's a great response. That's yeah, that's I have everything there. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So for pet parents, you heard the lady. Go mm-hmm. download the Finisca app, especially if you're here in the US and you know that we won't be getting the product anytime soon, but the app is there and it yes. comes with massive value that Mm -hmm. allows you to learn a lot about your pet health so that you can be vigilant and have more information and data and insights into what is going on with your pet, especially when you are not home. So yes. So with that said, Ropa, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing your fundraising journey, but more important, what you are trying to create in terms of culture with the company that you're building. It's so important and it's not often that I hear people be so intentional about culture that they're Mm -hmm. trying to create and being intentional about creating an inclusive culture that is understanding of the needs of the different people that are part Mm -hmm. of the culture of that organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that if more entrepreneurs who are building companies lead from that point of view, we can have better equity and more inclusivity moving along, moving forward, and it will be more authentic. It's not just trying to put on a coat, as you said, because, Mm. okay, society is trying to force this thing because we now recognize that, you know, empathy should be a thing and that equity and inclusivity should be a thing. And so we put out a statement and we try to, you know, put out Mm. these snippy little videos that say, oh, look at us, we're doing all these things. But no, it really needs to be a part of your core values. And you are baking that into what you are creating. And I think that's really commendable. Thank you. And kudos and congratulations to you and Sunita on the type of culture that you're creating at Finisca. So I would encourage everyone to make sure they download the Finisca app. Ropa, before you go, tell us where to find you on socials. Uh, well, you can only find me on LinkedIn, me personally, and my full name is Ropa Fadzo Murombo, and you can yeah, search me on LinkedIn, send me a connection request. But you're also welcome to follow Finisca on LinkedIn. You can follow Finisca on Instagram as well. It's at finisca.app. And yeah, that's it. Ropa, thank you so much for stopping by the WTF podcast. And to thank my listeners, me. you are so welcome. It was a pleasure. And to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I did having this conversation with Roba. Please make sure that you join me next Friday for a new episode on the Alive Podcast Network and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and more. And make sure that you hit the notification button so that you know when new episodes drop. To be a guest or sponsor the podcast, send an email to worthoffunding at gmail.com and follow the podcast on Instagram at worthoffunding underscore podcast. And follow me, your host, Michelle J. McKenzie on LinkedIn. Join me next Friday for another episode.